bird. It's a plane. Well, hello, beautiful. Listen up, casual. You've got a plan. I'm afraid my protocols are being overridden. Game over, man. Listen up casuals because we are back for season two breaking down more of your favorite superheroes that you see on the screen we bring them to you on paper this is Rocco and this is Chris and tonight we want to ask do you really want to taste it because we're going to be talking about (laughs) Peacemaker um, and we are definitely going to be talking about the comics and we're going to be talking about John Cena's role and both su- the Suicide Squad as well as HBO Max's Peacemaker, which was wild, but we'll get into that. Um, before we dive into the material for today, Chris, what have you been reading lately, comic book wise, my friend? Comic books, comic books, comic books. So we do that great Star Wars comic book show every month. And so that's definitely been on my. Uh, my list and that's something you can all listen to on another show in terms of say dc i've been reading a uh, shadow war just getting started with that um trial of the amazons and that's pretty much it right now just kind of uh dipping and dabbling with those uh those crossover events those are awesome i'm also reading um shadow war right now which for those of you that don't know shadow war is the current epic batman crossover event um, with Batman, uh, Deathstroke Inc., and um, I believe Detective Comics as well. Oh, uh, Robin. 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 I'm sorry. And Robin. Um, so that's a really cool crossover event. Um, are you reading anything else? Or- no, not really, man. Just been, that's really kind of what I've been concentrating on right now. I have some, oh, I'm, I'm reading, I'm sorry, I'm reading Jason Aaron's Punisher. Okay. I, I had to come out of the shadows, um, put on my, you know, my bulletproof vest. And, you know, it was time for some more Frank Castle. So I'm really excited. That's back. Uh, I think issue two comes out really soon. And, you know, I think that Jason Aaron's a really good uh, Frank Castle writer. uh, And I'm really liking this one so far. Yes, uh, I definitely like all the hand stuff just being Daredevil, Daredevil fan. Um, So that's cool. And then with the way Devil's Reign ended, um, I don't know if you've gotten there yet. I read I read the articles if I if I'm not taking on that that event so I do know what happens. So yeah, it looks like these two may be colliding, um, which would be really cool—the hand and the fist, as it were. Um, but yeah, it's for me like you. I'm always reading Star Wars, um, so we can do our Star Warriors uh, Marvel Comics show, um, but also because you know I enjoy them. Um, And just about every Batman title that currently exists, I'm reading right now. Um, But that's usual that I'm just taking in so much Batman. And uh, on the D on the Marvel side of things, gosh, um, I just picked up that new X-Men 92 Um, devil's reign just ended the crossover event with daredevil. um, And now daredevil is getting a new run, which I'll be starting. I'm also reading that Punisher. Um, Gosh. Oh, I uh, just started Iron Man's Demon in a Bottle. Oh, cool. Hardcover. Throwing it back, huh? Yeah. Nice. Um, I'm the first. It's uh, I believe it's nine issues. It might be eight, eight or nine issues um, in the hardcover um, trade. 
And uh, it's a beautiful book with a beautiful binding. And it's uh, Tony Stark's battle with alcohol. Yes, it's pre-MCU days. Um, it's it's interesting because that character was not, people loved Spider-Man, but he wasn't like the spotlight character. He was he was a troubled soul. Um, so it's it's I'm really glad you're going back and reading that uh, with the interest of the Iron Man comics. Yes, I think, though, that a lot of it was addressed with Robert Downey Jr. because like they were he and Tony Stark were one in the same um, just these, parallel. Yeah, yeah the, the, the real life parallel. Um, and I think that's why he did so well is not only did he look like Tony Stark. already but he was i mean he is he is tony stark he is now yeah he he wasn't before he definitely is now that's for sure what what an insane thing though to become to take a character like that to that elevation of pop culture of like the i don't know it's just it's insane because it's really what the character needed and the mcu really really is handed you know marvel just an open an open field of dreams i would say because they can just do whatever they want they can tie the comics in the way they want to now to the movies they have audiences of gener- new generations of readers it's insane it it really is it really is and iron man is a testament to that i mean obviously myself i read comics as a kid i knew who iron man was i knew he was one of the avengers i knew he was tony stark um but to then just see Robert Downey nail it. I mean, there's no, I don't, I don't even know what else to say, but put a stamp on it. Yes. But that's what I'm reading right now. Um, But I know that today we're talking about peacemaker and not, not just John Cena's peacemaker, but peacemaker throughout the years. Um, So I know you have, uh, you have the origins there in front of you. And I'm very excited to hear about this. Yes. I, I, it's such a deep dive today. Uh, the the peacemaker issues are just they're infinite, really. No, they're not. Uh, the '60s series had five issues, five or six. The '80s one had four, uh, and then like you fast forward to now, you know where he's kind of been featured because of the whole James Gunn's The Suicide Squad and, and John Cena. It's interesting to go back and see that this character had no no publication basically outside of a few crossovers mm-hmm. and some very short-lived um mini series but yeah yeah go ahead no i was just gonna say it just like james gunn has this talent almost of saying let me find something obscure in this universe and now let me make it a household name he did it with guardians yeah. no one knew who the guardians of the galaxy were and no one knew who Peacemaker was. Yeah, I would even argue that people that Guardians of the Galaxy was starting to get popular because of um, the Dan Abnett run, and I forgot who the other guy on that was. But they were they had definitely more of like I knew who they were before the movies, not to that level, and it elevated my fandom of them and made me go read more. But Peacemaker, I know who that guy was at all. It's like maybe he was in an encyclopedia I read in years because I have it next to me, mm-hmm. uh, which I'll share shortly. But he's just not somebody that anybody cared about. He's he's goofy design, mm-hmm. and they keep that, which is amazing. Um, and the stuff that James Gunn does preserve 
and change is interesting because it does um, he does pay homage here and there to what happened in those those mini series. But he definitely he and John Cena take that character for a whole new ride. So let me just go into the the origin of of Christopher Smith here. So Peacemaker first appeared in a, as a backup character and now the Charlton comics, I think DC bought them in the eighties and you'll hear a lot of comics like uh, comics from Charlton days, like mm-hmm. our characters like blue beetle and, and so forth. But Peacemaker was also one of them. Um, and he was, he was teamed up with this espionage team called fighting five. It's like Howling commandos, you know, Sergeant mm-hmm. rock, stuff like that. Just military comics. Mm-hmm. And here you have this, this character. Um, he was created by Joe Gill, with artist Pat Boyette. Uh, and this was in 1966. I read, I read this, this mini series and I, that followed this um, fighting five appearance. And like I said, it's like five or six issues. It's very James Bond, like, uh, which is the first thing. And there's like maybe three stories in the comic in each issue. Oh, wow. And kind of like, I, it reminds me of how they did the old 60s cartoons as well. It was like a couple episodes, mm-hmm. but it was never like a story that went on, no overarching anything. Just this guy with the helmet, the, the same getup that John Cena basically wears, has been preserved by James Gunn after this. And his helmet does different things, uh, but he's not this like crude... Um, he'll do anything for like for peace he'll kill for peace mm-hmm. and this is that it's always stated but like i said before john cena and james gunn took this character to a different level that that's awesome see that that's what i was going to ask is how long did he adopt the costume as we know it and i love the fact that that has been kept from the beginning it sounds like yeah absolutely it's just that big silver helmet the same costume, the same logo. Yeah, I think that was preserved really well by Gunn. Some other stuff. Um, let me let me go over these key issues real quick. Yeah. Um, because there's there's another thing regarding his father. But Peacemaker Volume 1, 1967, five issues. Peacemaker Volume 2, 1988, four issues. So the the 1988 one was interesting because it's I love 1980s comics mm-hmm. and they always have the same feel. Um they're dirty. They're yes. They're definitely like, especially DC ones. Um, not dirty as in, you know, don't have a, don't have such a dirty mind. But um, they look dirty, as we've said before, like with um, in our Daredevil issue. Things written during these times. It's a different era of who's reading these comics and what social picture you're trying to paint. Let me put yeah. it that way. Yeah. No, I exa- I know exactly what you mean. Um, when you're when you're looking at these comics, they're so dirty looking that it's almost like you you have to literally wash your hands after you read it. Um, and it's just the way they were drawn and they don't draw them like that anymore. They don't. They don't. And it's 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 strange because we've said before, it's like sometimes there's semi-racist things in there, but it's just the times and it's it's interesting to be at the time where we are with uh, such social justice and the parallels we're drawing through these different decades. And this, I think, is one of the most important things to remember about comics casuals is that if you really want to kind of know what was going on during those times, 
how what the social narrative was. I think comic books are a really good, you know, history piece. So. Yes, they captured, they always captured the current zeitgeist. Exactly. Um, was something that comics always did. Even reading Demon in a Bottle, I'm I'm catching some of it. Yeah. Yep. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pull out the DC Comics Encyclopedia. I still go back to books. We love to read physical comics. I still have my non-wiki book. So hell yeah. So the thing about Peacemaker, I'm gonna read this. Uh, three individuals have, been, have adopted the alter ego of Peacemaker, an armored soldier battling for peace. This was Christopher Smith, Peacemaker One, whose delusions of being haunted by his father, Nazi SS officer Wolfgang Schmidt, drove his insane resolve to fight and kill for the sake of peace. Peacemaker One and other less notable heroes had died attempting to liberate the South American country of Parador from the evil influence of Eclipso. So, uh, casuals out there, if you're watching Stargirl, Eclipso was on season two. Uh, that's my little note there here we have this is post infinite crisis this is before a lot of stuff that has gone by in the last 20 years so that's that was how peacemaker was you know introduced at first um there was a second peacemaker he was an unknown soldier basically uh kind of like a follow-up he was a follow-up to peacemaker that was put through um and then peacemaker three is known as mitchell black who was a pulmonary physician who lost his license to practice medicine following untried surgery that led to the death of a young patient. Black was subsequently recruited by the Geneva-based Peacemaker Project as head of its enforcement division. Uh, This organization provided armored peacemakers to troubled nations around the globe. Although apparently killed by Prometheus during the infinite crisis, Peacemaker has reappeared as a mentor to Jaime Reyes, the third Blue Beetle. Huh. Wow. All things I didn't know. There you go. Three peacemakers. Now, I want to go back to Christopher Smith, since this is what really the issue, the issue, the episode is about. Let's talk about his father a little bit, because as I'm reading this, he's having like this ghost of this Nazi soldier with him. And then they do that in the show. Another, you know, really another homage to the, the comics, even though James Gunn did his own thing with his character, he still... I was wondering what they were going to do with Robert Patrick. And we'll talk about this more. Mm-hmm. And I did like, I had no idea this had happened in the comics. So I thought that was great. I thought mm-hmm. it was genius to keep him on the show that way. But now I see why they did it as well. And this is, you know, this is really going into the, the mental, the psyche of this kind of character who is a psychopath who has like this idea of what peace is and what he'll do for it. Um, that's already, you know, that's already crazy enough, but now he has his, his Nazi father in his head driving him nuts. I love I love when I see a movie or watch a show and then go back to the comic and say, oh, yeah, that's cool. Um, that's like watching The Dark Knight and the, uh, Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight and then going back and reading like The Long Halloween and just see, you know, the pages come to life. So, yeah, that I love whenever they do that. Absolutely speaking of and i know this this episode is gonna you know come out down the line but i'm really excited for the batman releasing so quickly on hbo yes yes can't wait can't wait um some other little notes here about peacemaker and and, and the influences that the character had um actually let me do this first let's talk about adrian chase for a second okay uh because 
if uh, I don't know how far you watched Arrow, but they did bring Adrian Chase Vigilante in as a villain in that show. Mm-hmm. He was a psychopath. Mm-hmm. Um, those are those are pretty. That was a pretty good season when they did have him. But it was a much different you know version of the character. Even like in the comics, he's definitely more of a good guy. Uh, they played him off as definitely a, a, a villain in the Arrowverse. Uh, but and that was kind of intrigued because they were going to bring him into this. And of course, I had no idea the backstory, you know, sure. had a crossover that they've met and stuff in the comics. But how were they going to treat this character again uh, this time around? And I really felt that um, Freddie, Freddie Stroma there did a heck of a job in the writing by James Gunn and the, and the acting by both by both John Cena and Freddie Stroma together was just such a really neat deal uh, deal duo yes um and I, I i really enjoyed it so let me um let me break this down because uh agent chase's character vigilante uh created by marv wolfman and artist george perez of new titan titans you know uh <laughs> fandom or fam fame sorry created the character and so he did debut his civilian identity in New Teen Titans 23 in 1982, and then Vigilante in New Teen Titans annual number two of August of 1983. Uh, the second character used the alias after his brother. And so when I did read the series that, you know, he crosses over with Peacemaker, that's actually written by, um, by Wolfman, who also, and also, some arcs by Ellen Moore, along with Paul Kupperberg, who wrote the 80s uh, Peacemaker series. So here and there, uh, we'll have some, some, some guest writers. But what I found interesting was that Wolfman did come back and write Vigilante. And Kupperberg did do the Vigilante Peacemaker crossover oh, wow. uh, issues. Okay. So getting a little nerdy there, but hope you're uh, still sticking with us. Oh, well, that's that's why we're here and you should be listening up casuals. That's the point is we're trying to teach you some stuff. So pay attention. It's only going to make watching these shows a little more fun to watch. Um, But yeah, that's that's super cool. Um, One thing and I'm looking at your notes here that keeps popping out at me is I see influence for the comedian of the Watchmen. Yes. Um, What? So he he was the influence for that that's what that's what people say i i can see it i i don't i mean we here we have alan moore who did write some a little vigilante dibble dabbled in the dc universe himself he knows these characters so i mean yeah, yeah. i imagine that even i mean i'm sure he was a charlton comic fan himself uh so I can, yeah, I can definitely see that. I mean, the character of the comedian is just, it's great. Um, and then the movie, what's his name there? Plays him. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. And so, yeah, I just, that character was so violent and he was a soldier and he seemed the one to do anything for peace. So who knows what Alan Moore did, but yeah, I can see it. I can see it after all this. You make a, you make a good point. Uh, very good point. Uh, most of my knowledge of Peacemaker comic book wise is going to be all the recent stuff. Okay. Yeah. Which let's get to that. But let me go through a couple things, please. Uh, a couple odd, odd appearances in the multiverse. That yes. is DC. Uh, 52 was a 52 issue comic series that took place. I think after infant crisis, mm-hmm. they put it every week. There was a new issue. 
And at the very last issue, we meet the Peacemaker of Earth 4 for some reason. In the 2010s, Grant Morrison wrote Multiversity. Uh, Peacemaker was featured in Pax Americana in that, in that issue. I mentioned Mitchell Black before, who's the third one. The Vigilante issues um, were numbers 36 through 38 of the 1983 Vigilante comic. So oh, if you wow. want to go back and check those out, that's that crossover. And that takes us up to now, because it's funny to, to think about this, because I was, I remember, I think it was Tom Taylor's Suicide Squad, and he was writing it, it had, it had Deadshot. And then all of a sudden, it was going to end, and they killed Deadshot. And we knew, and then all of a sudden, Deadshot was not going to be a part of the Suicide Squad as well around that time. So I always like to say that they do shape comics to the movies in a way in order to get readers on board or to get people curious about the titles. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I have to say, I started reading Suicide Squad with Peacemaker before the newest James Gunn movie came out. However, like I knew the movie was coming out um, and I was only familiar with a character from the few comics I had read at that point. But I mean, he looks like John Cena, which is scary. So the newest run of Suicide Squad, which is actually about to conclude. No, it's next month. It'll be May. And it starts off with Peacemaker being, um, again, loyal to a fault to Amanda Waller. Incredibly loyal. And it, it, complete, it starts with A-Day which for those of you that are currently reading the comics, A-Day is the day that Arkham was um, gas-bombed and nearly everyone was killed. Um, some of the bigger names of people that were killed were a bit like Bane um, that actually died during A-Day. And the Suicide Squad were sent to Arkham to bust someone out. They didn't know who, but Amanda Waller, that's what she does. And while they're busting that person out, there's the Joker attack on Arkham and kills everyone. The suicide squad barely gets out alive. And it turns out that they were springing um, Talon. <clears throat> That's who they were springing to join the suicide squad. Well, this is where that schism begins in the comics between peacemaker and Waller is that he was pissed because he didn't feel that they were prepped for the mission well enough. And as the comics continue there's a great schism with rick flag recruiting ex suicide squad people to retaliate against waller and get rid of her once and for all and it's a big deal when peacemaker decides to team up with rick and his ragtag team to overthrow amanda waller and i thought that the way his loyalty is and how fiercely loyal he is to his perception of peace. I thought that that was very crazy that he would then side with Rick flag and the rest of suicide squad. So did you feel prepped for the movie more prepped for the movie because you were reading these comics at the time? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I, I think it, it allowed me to kind of round the character out a little better, a little more. Um, so when, what, and drawing, you know, good comparisons as well, which I think is always fun. And, um, I think, you know, Cena nailed it 
we're going to talk a lot more about that later. Absolutely. But, uh, uh, yeah. A couple of other questions for yeah. you because we're, like you said, Suicide Squad is ending, uh, ends on issue 15. And it's also on this big, like, collision course with War, War on uh, Earth 3 yes. and Teen Titans Academy as well, which is ending at uh, issue 15. So that's all three of those books are involved in their own little mini. Uh, mini event right now, right? Yes, yes. Um, War on Earth three, um, I believe, has just ended. I was very okay. short, very short crossover. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to give anything away there. You should read it; it's very good. Um, but it, War on Earth three is not so much about Peacemaker. He's in it, but it's he doesn't play a very large role. Um, his larger role is just in Suicide Squad. Um, and just kind of the twists and turns that that takes. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's good stuff. And so that brings us to the disturbing the peace one shots, uh, which is featuring peacemaker. Mm-hmm. It's a black label title. I, I don't know how it fits if it even fits in with the comics you're reading now, but I felt like it definitely felt fit more in with the comics I read uh, in terms of the old peacemaker. Yeah, to be honest with you, I really what I got out of this is a soft reboot for him to get a standalone series is what this really felt like. And that's what I kind of like about what they do at Black Label, uh, a.k.a. Worlds, uh, things like that. I, you know, I love ongoing stories. I love the development of the character and how it changes through the years. But sometimes I just wanted like a nice one issue story a nice mini series, a maxi, whatever. Like those sometimes are my favorite things. And I really hope maybe we do see something after this. Um, because this was this was written by Garth Enos, mm-hmm. um, art by Gary Brown, and then cover art by Juan Ferreira. Uh, and he just got off Batman um, Reptilian, Garth Ennis. Gary Brown? Garth Ennis. Oh, Garth Ennis, yes, exactly. Um, there's also a rumored upcoming Punisher series by him returning to the title. Uh, he's always been such a great writer, violent writer, uh, always, you know, a little dibble dabble in the ultra violence is always, you know, one of my favorite things when it comes to comics and, and watching things on TV or movies. So I appreciate it. I know it's kind of a controversial things out there these days, but Hey, the Punisher's back. So I'm I'm not I'm not weeping anymore. So listen, I like I prefer my violence fictional. Exactly. Me too. Me too. And I can handle it without going out like wacky. Uh anyways, what did you think about this one shot? Uh, it was interesting to have basically like this do- this this therapist, uh psychiatrist sit down with Christopher Smith in a basically in it's it's in a graveyard, we've learned, yep. you know, and we just learn about this new, as you said, it's basically a way to reboot him, give him yeah. this new backstory, because this is definitely different than what we see in the TV show. Mm-hmm. They don't go into it a whole lot in the comics, but it's not, you know, it's not anything that matches up with a show as well mm-hmm. uh, or this. So what did you, uh, what did you think about this kind of, uh, because they make a reference to Bonnie and Clyde, right? Yeah. In the, in the beginning of it. And then it, he, he gets abducted by this Bonnie and Clyde type couple. Yeah, I I think that I called it a soft reboot uh, because yes. I don't think it w- it was a major shift 
in terms of rebooting this character for the comic books. But that's what it felt like I was reading. Um, I was reading, they're reintroducing this character to start a longer series that this is going to, it's going to be the basis of this. But what I really loved is that each of the stories he tells to the psychiatrist about growing up, each one leads you to possibly believe either he's extremely unlucky or this is just his version of the story that he's telling that makes him not the bad guy that makes him not the either he's telling the truth, which is possible, or he's telling his version of the truth, which is also possible. And we don't really ever find out. We don't ever really know. That's really, that's not really ever answered. Like in the beginning where, when he comes back and his whole family's dead, like it could be very easily explained that he did that to all of them. But you don't get an answer. You, we don't get a solid answer. And I really love that. And they question that in the book as well, right? They do. Were you the one that did this? Like, I think about it just, yeah, no, go ahead. And then I'll go into what I was No, I was just going to say, and his responses were very ambiguous. Yes, exactly. And this is, this is something to remember about these characters, especially ones that suffer such hardcore trauma. And I'm going to, you know, their family was killed. Another character I just mentioned a few minutes ago, mm-hmm. uh, the same light here. It's like, as a kid, this guy has saw, he, this guy saw such horrible things happen. Did he commit them? We don't know. But it's, if you can allude to the fact that maybe he's either really a psychopath or the trauma caused his, his psychosis, you know, it's really kind of just the ambiguous thing where we don't, it, it creates a mystery for the character. And I think that's an important thing to do here because you have such a different representation on the big screen. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I really, I really loved that. Um, I also love that as they were conversing, he like knew all about the psychiatrist. He knew everything that was going on already. And it, it almost became a Hannibal Lecter ish situation with her being Clarice and him being Hannibal Lecter. I mean, not that he was going to eat her. I'm just saying like the tables were turned. He was supposed to be almost like the patient when it turned out she was actually prey. And that was, that was wild in itself. And I don't even mean like physical, like violent prey. I meant almost like psychological prey. Like he was trying to psychologically infiltrate her. And, um, the end of this book um, was just like kind of an, Oh shit moment. Like, Oh shit. Like I get it. Like we talked about it off air right before we started the show. And I don't, I don't want to spoil it. I do think that you should get it. Um, If you are a fan of peacemaker and you like cerebral thinking piece that, you know, you should, and ultra violence, (laughs) you should definitely pick it up. Um, It's very good. But yeah, the last page was like, oh, shit. I loved how she was like, she wanted to have a cigarette. He wouldn't let her have a cigarette. And then finally she's like, I'm going to smoke this cigarette. (laughs) Her breakdown alone was like her nervousness and her anxieties just kept coming more and more out because she knew she was in a, she could be in a dangerous situation. 
Yeah, as she sat there, you could tell she was starting to slowly realize that she's sitting next to someone that's almost at a level of a serial killer um, that in his mind, he has the best intentions. But is that enough? And that's exact. And that's exactly the the parallel I'm going to I'm going to do right now, because as on this show, we should definitely tie it to some other representation in comics. And I've been mentioning the Punisher. And this is really something that D.C., hasn't had uh and this is a definitely a good way to tackle it uh to have this kind of character coming you know coming about at this point uh and now marvel's bringing it back at the same time so i'm really excited for both because i see the parallels i enjoy the differences between the characters but like you said i i'm a mature i can read these these comics and enjoy them and not feel bad about it and i don't and that's that's really the thing i want to say is like this is all fiction and it's fun. And it's just, if we enjoy something, I don't think we should ever have to feel guilty for it. No. And if you're reading a comic book and thinking that you should reenact the ultra violence in it, you shouldn't just, you're just wrong. So don't do that. Um, it is fiction and that's why we enjoy it. It's, it's escapism. It's to escape the humdrum of everyday life. Um, so make sure we're keeping that in mind. Exactly. And, you know, another PSA is if you know anybody out there who you may have worried about, you know, there's there's phone phone numbers to call. So, you know, remember that we live in a scary time, but yes. that doesn't mean we can't enjoy our fiction. So exactly. with that being said, enough of politics. Let's jump to a commercial break and then we'll come back. We'll talk about the Suicide Squad, Peacemaker and John Cena. Defet Comics is the publishing branch of Don'tForgetATowel.com, the only place to travel geekly. Focusing on creator-owned and independent titles like Hollowed, Pursuit of Plastic, and Fairy, and many more. Defat Comics will be a mix of genres appealing to every kind of reader. Join the new source of comic book entertainment with Defat Comics. Hey, come take a seat at the campfire. You're not the only one who joins. I've got friends that come over sometimes, too. We talk about a ton of interesting things from geek culture. Then we cover some conspiracies or philosophical thoughts or monsters. You know, we talked about Bigfoot in one episode. It's a lot of fun, so come join me at the Campfire Chats, a DFAT entertainment podcast hosted on Spotify and other fine places you find podcasts. Listen up, casuals. We are back from those commercials, and on this episode we're talking peacemaker and if you are just joining us now my name is chris and this is rocco and rocco and i had a big discussion about peacemaker origins in the comics key issues and just a little bit how they tied into what we're about to talk about now uh james gunn's the suicide squad but mostly peacemaker because you know what, rocco we did an episode on the suicide squad and just like a proper comic sequel we're coming back with peacemaker yes yes i think that that's actually quite funny that we did the the podcast for that movie and now we're doing a podcast on peacemaker um but again you know the big part of our show is how do the comics relate to these live action depictions that people love um but one thing that i've never cared for 
except for maybe the first season of Arrow is the Arrowverse is CW like they're doing a Gotham Knights and I just do we need it can you not um yes I I beg to differ I will argue that what they're doing right now with like Superman and Lois uh Naomi uh the what else is on right now uh Stargirl is even good I bet your daughter would love that there's a lot of things that they're doing now and the Arrowverse is coming to an end so I challenge the fact that Gotham Knights could be good if it's tackled correctly, like they have with the other shows with less episodes, more budget. I think HBO Max is getting involved even at points here. I, I, I see that with Superman and Lois. Uh, I just, I hope you give it a chance because it could be really good and it features a lot of characters you like. Yeah, that's the thing is, it does. It features all the characters that I like, but I heard that it has to do with the children of the villains. So and it's an Elseworld tale. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. But I see on your notes here, which mm-hmm. I ponder, and I see you wrote Arrow. Uh, you, you wrote Arrowverse in terms of Peacemaker. When was Peacemaker a portion of Arrow? The Arrowverse. Listen up, casuals. You know, it's funny. I, as much as I love the Arrowverse, I loved it for only so long. Uh, and it just, it did become repetitive. It became just lost in itself sometimes. I love the crossovers. But one thing I did re- kind of regret was not watching Black Lightning. Uh, I heard Black Lightning was good. Uh, then it kind of, kind of got CW by season three, but that was the end of it anyway. So Christopher Smith did appear by name in the show. Joe, uh, he is the CEO of PAX Indus- the PAX Institute, and so the PAX Institute uh, is actually goes back to the Peacemaker comics as well. Oh. So this is something that uh, is is kind of an important throwback. Uh, but he did appear in season one. Uh, it was called Equinox: The Book of Fate. So that's that's it uh the pax institute is christopher smith's charity foundation for war victims that's what that is okay okay yeah i would like like i said i mean i would have never i would have never guessed i wouldn't even know who they were talking about if they would even said that during black lightning at that time yeah exactly christopher smith you know who know who the hell knows it really took uh, james gunn and john cena to make this now a household name and that started suicide. with the Suicide Squad, which is an ipso facto sort of sequel to Suicide Squad, which was a notoriously bad film to the Suicide Squad, which is, I think, one of my favorite DC films. I, I wholeheartedly agree, my friend. Um, and I feel bad because I think WB put their fingers into people's pies too much uh, when it came to uh, David Ayer. I think that if they would put this David Ayer cut out and at least put, let us watch it and judge it, maybe we could see a difference. I don't know. There's so many low points to that movie for the small amount of high points that we did get out of it, but we got a sequel or a requel. I'm not sure which, but a requel. I love that. I did not make that up. Um, but you can use it. It's it's. I think it's 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 a free word. <laughs> that's no, I, and that's the thing is like I do love that. 
even this movie was marketed as a quote unquote sort of sequel. And I think that that was super cool. I think that it was genius to kill off the originals except for Harley. Um, like right away. I thought that that was just so absolutely creative and so bonkers. And so the comic book, James Gunn did his homework, but I think where he really did his homework was on the character peacemaker. And I think that the casting of John Cena was nothing short of genius. John Cena is bigger than life. Uh, I, I didn't really know how I felt about John Cena for a very long time. I wasn't, not a really big wrestler wrestling fan. I know you're not. Um, I enjoyed to a certain extent, but I never really watched John Cena wrestle. So I was not familiar with him. The best thing that I know John Cena from was that commercial about equality and loving your neighbor and where he's walking down the street. And I was like, yeah, I, I like John Cena and I like, I love this message. So that, that, that to me was always who John Cena was. Mm-hmm. He's an actor, of course, but I have a lot of respect for the man. I think that that's truly who he is. And now to see him on such a big stage, um, I watch Wipeout even sometimes where he does that the commentary for that show. So it's fun and he's having a great time. And now he has this star starring role. He's one of the biggest characters in the DC movie verse of a character nobody knew about. Exactly, exactly. And I have to say um, in terms of John Cena, um, the one thing I will respect about wrestling is that in my mind, it turns out fantastic actors. Um, Dwayne, the rock Johnson is fantastic. I love almost every movie he's ever been in. Um, I think he's absolutely wonderful. He made, he and, and Kevin Hart's relationship in, um, in Jumanji, the new Jumanji movies was amazing. Um, you've got Dave Batista. Um, as Drax, who, again, I've loved any movie he's been in. He's fantastic, um, except for Blade Runner. But that's just because I found that whole thing sleep inducing. Rocco, Boo I, I know. But then, lastly, the the man we're talking about himself, John Cena, is would be the the next one that wrestling churned out uh, an amazing actor. Do you remember the movie Trainwreck? <clears throat> Amy Schumer, Bill Hader. LeBron James and John Cena. Now you say that and you say, what that movie to this day is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. John Cena played this super overly tough guy who would accidentally say homosexual or homoerotic things thinking that they were threats. And there's this scene where he's like, I will take you outside and I will fuck you. You're, you're going to what you're going to fuck me. And but he meant fight him, but he didn't like he was and it was so funny and it it was the running gag through the movie is that he was just he was John Cena. So, you know, him as the super tough, toxic masculinity kind of guy, but his threats would come off as as homoerotic and it was hysterical every single time. So, again, I remember him from that. I remember how funny that was, how he can make fun of himself in that realm. And I thought that that was just for the sake of comedy, hilarious, not to mention the running gag with LeBron James who played himself throughout the movie was that every time they went out to lunch, he forgot his wallet and someone else had to pay for him. <laughs> and that was a running gag through the whole film, which was just, I don't have, are you serious? Bill Hader, are you serious? 
again. Anyway, that's where I remember John Cena from. I need to watch that movie. That's a great movie, Trainwreck. Um, and anyway, um, him coming into Peacemaker, I knew that it was going to be like like a, a action comedy, which is what Suicide Squad is. And I was excited for it. And when I saw him in the trailer, I was like, this is going to be great. And when I saw him in the movie, floored. And I was intrigued to see where they were going to take this. Would it be a, a prequel or a sequel to his character in the Suicide Squad? We meet him. He he quickly becomes very unfavorable by the end of the movie. Spoiler alert if you haven't watched it by now. When he kills Rick Flagg, he's even more of a dirtbag. He's going to kill Ratcatcher 2. They really play him out, that whole character, as he will do anything for peace. And they play well into that. And what I love about where they take it in Peacemaker is his trauma from that as well. So we already have a traumatized character from his childhood, and we'll talk about that shortly. But the fact that he was kind of the other villain in the Suicide Squad uh, and then to get his own show. So I was really kind of interested to see where they're going to place this. And when they placed it as a sequel, a true direct sequel to the Suicide Squad, and that's what I love about what they're doing with big screen and HBO Max. And I'm very excited to see what they do with the Batman world. But this, this is really starting it off super strong. Yes. And I think that, I think that what's great about this is that when they, they see the success of this structure and what is put into it, then it makes me feel confident in what they're going to do with the Batman universe um, which I'm very, very, very interested in, especially the Arkham show as top of my list as shows I want to see yesterday. Um, but with the success of the, the Suicide Squad, which was an absolute success, the only regret I have about that movie is I didn't go to the theater. I just watched it on HBO Max, but I watched it on my 60 inch. So, you know, privilege. Um, and, but, uh, you know, then the show after that, and, and to be honest with you, the show took some episodes, um, and me prodding. Yes. But once it got, once it swung into things, it was great. And, and, you know, maybe we, should we, should we start talking about the show now? Yeah. I want to, I want to get into kind of the characters if we could, Please. um, what you're saying, though, is is important because what I felt about this is that we are looking at really a long form movie. We're not looking at a television show anymore. Mm-hmm. This is an extended movie that we could we could see this on the big screen and, and have it have it be such a great time. Um, but we have this great format called streaming these days where even I argue did I not like the Batman as much because I had to sit with a bunch of like D bags, you know, and who are noisy who are immature and I have to sit in, I have to sit in public and watch a movie. I, I can't wait to watch that movie again because I feel like I've been tainted by the theater, but now we have this great thing called streaming services where great content is being delivered. And so here we have peacemaker, as I said, a true sequel to the suicide squad um, at the end of the suicide squad, Amanda Waller's crew betray her. They hit her in the head with a golf club, I think even. Yep. Um, and that's something that I would never even think about doing because I know and I've read plenty about Amanda Waller in my life. Um, yeah, but so am I. She's, she's <laughs> we, terrifying. She's, uh, she's completely terrifying. Um, 
we have the return of two characters from that movie uh steve aggie's john economos and jennifer holland's amelia harcourt uh fun fact now that jennifer jennifer holland is going to be marrying james gunn so i yeah i i loved her character um yeah many reasons yes <laughs> so, i loved all those characters one of the best things we got is daniel brooks abodayo yes yes from orange is the new black um she is first of all the woman has a smile has a smile about her every time i see her i she lights the screen up that's just how i felt i felt the same way about her in um orange is the new black um i felt this she brought that to this show um and i want to see her in a lot more things i i want her career to have success because i want more of her we'll talk about more of what she did on this show but there are rumors where she would be one of the after credit scenes in black adam recruiting for the new suicide squad so or whatever they're going to do next with uh the status quo after peacemaker but that was one of the things where she might be this constant character like Nick Fury was in Marvel and stuff like that. So, but more on this scale, because we are telling a different kind of story here than what Marvel does. No, exactly. Exactly. And the big reveal of who she is and, um, you know, she, again, I, I loved her character and I love her as an actress. So. Exactly. And so let's, let's talk about that. It's, it's revealed that she is Amanda Waller's daughter. Yep. Uh, and the great thing about this is that we do get Viola Davis back as Amanda Waller again. And I think that's really important to draw this continuity of the storytelling that you're doing and really dedicate yourself to it. Because now I'm feeling like even with Suicide Squad, we have story that's happened before. I don't care how much garbage happened in that movie. But Viola Davis was still a good Amanda Waller in that movie. She is Amanda Waller. There's no one else that could play Amanda Waller, period. Um, maybe CCH Pounder. Oh man, you're throwing it back. But but other uh-uh. than other I got another than one. That, How about oh. Angela Bassett? Oh, you remember watching? Yes. <laughs> oh, Angela Bassett. Oh, it's it's that yell, and it's that it's that pantsuit or or like business dress look where. Like this, this is a powerful woman. And I don't mean physically, I mean, in all ways, uh, a, a sharp stat, uh, strategist, uh, a, a learned scholar and fucking terrifying period. Um, I think, yeah, nailed it. But Viola Davis. Oh my God. Like I see her on screen and it's DC. I tighten up <laughs> as you should. Yeah. Yes, you should. So, oh, it's Amanda Waller. Whoo, she scares <laughs> me more than the Joker sometimes. Yes, exactly. I that's that's one of the major keys to being a DC fan, right there. Awesome, awesome. Uh, let's talk about another character, uh, longtime actor Robert Patrick. Um, I I love Robert Patrick. I've always been a big fan. Everything he's in, and they made this character such a scumbag and he played it so well yeah 
what I love is when you take someone as vile as he is and you don't love them, but you love to hate them. And I think that that's what makes this character so great is that hate you love hating him and he makes it so easy and so wonderful. And the way the racist things roll off his tongue. Um, I mean that one officer who's Asian and he continues to say these, but she fires back at him. It's like, Oh dude, you scumbag. But you're like, Oh my God, I love hating this guy. And he, he nails it. Exactly. And that's the thing is like when you can separate that, that performance, which is if you can get something like that on the small screen, I'm always just blown away by it. So I want to mention just a couple of things about this character because they make him the white dragon. Mm-hmm. And as we learn inside you know, Augie Smith's house, he actually has a secret room that's like so high tech. And it's such a weird thing in the show mm-hmm. when you first go in there. Yes. What a weird, like you're, you're talking to a weird neighbor. John Cena goes in the house. He's having banter with his father. And then all of a sudden they walk in this room, which is like this high tech insanity with like peacemaker helmets and weapons. And of course the white dragon costume. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to circle back. I'm sorry, but the white dragon is not the same character. Uh, so if you do research on the white dragon, he was a separate character altogether. The idea of his father being a Nazi was, like I said earlier in the show, his was a Nazi officer who is in his head now, which they play to after um, John Cena murders him um, at, you know, at the end of the show, finally relieving himself of him, quote unquote, but then he comes back to haunt him. And then James Gunn does a great job tying in that homage, but doing it in such a different way because in the comics, his father kills himself in front of Christopher mm-hmm. Smith. So it's a different thing entirely. He sees his father kill himself. This traumatic. He goes through other things and so forth. In the show, he's forced to fight his brother. He kills his brother on accident. His, mm-hmm. bro- his father treats him like shit for decades. Ever. Forever. Forever. Yeah. And then he finally retaliates and shoots his own father, which puts a whole new level of, like, on the character. Completely new level, I think. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. They're turning him into the anti-hero, um, but you're learning about what makes him tick. And I mean, to accidentally kill your older brother, who was the only one that loved you, really loved you, and then have your dad physically, mentally, and psychologically abuse you for your entire life and blame you for your brother's death. I mean anyone has the ability to to become what peacemaker became with that trauma and that abuse again that these are moments that allow us to connect with this character and i think james gunn is just so good at that you know i know i bring up guardians a lot but i mean you've got this this kid who's abducted by aliens and you start the story of him watching his mother wither and die to cancer and again brings you ties you holds you to a real world something that a lot of people can connect with and then gives you the 
the fantastic story on top of it. And I think that with Peacemaker, he does it again. He gives us the story of trauma and abuse, which so many of us can tie to our actual lives and then gives us this fantastical, almost anti-superhero story that's also hilarious. Um, this show should be winning, should be winning a lot of awards in my mind. I agree with that. And that's, and that's why I wanted to take it next is to the, the funny, the funny parts of this show, especially when it comes to Freddie Stroma's Adrian, Adrian Chase, Vigilante, Eagly, John Cena alone, um, the crew. It's just, like you said, it's such a good mix of violence, um, social awareness Mm -hmm. and comedy that I it's it's like that perfect show for me where I just feel like sometimes something's lacking in a show, but I've never had anything kind of touch base like that um, and be that, I guess, enthusiastic about a, a TV show in a very long time. Yeah, it, it was. It's great. And I I'd have to say, comedically speaking, my favorite thing was when he would talk about the Justice League. Um, that rant he went on about Batman being a put too much of a pussy to kill his rogues gallery um, was what he's like, honestly, he could have just killed any of them at any of the time, but he keeps throwing them in jail and they keep breaking out. And like a pussy, he does it over again. Uh, that was, I feel like, I feel like James Gunn went to like every DC board on the internet and took something funny from it and then rewrote it. And with, with his own spin, because Peacemaker said things in this show that every DC fan thinks about. And I just, I thought it was so cleverly done and such a really good like tribute to the DC uh, universe without, without changing too much of what came before, but giving it its own unique spin. Yeah. And Um, and the way though, that he almost jealously talks shit about them. Oh, green arrow. You know, he's a brony, right? And then, you know, (laughs) Aquaman, you know, he fucks fish, right? Like, and just to, to like, he knows them personally when he probably has only maybe met them once, but he, he classifies himself as a superhero on their level. And I think that that's, what's so funny about it is he genuinely thinks that he is a superhero at their, at justice league level. And so he will just take that time to cut them down. Uh, it was gene to me. That was the funniest part of the show. That's where I found myself laughing the hardest and how nonchalant he was about those roasts were the best. Exactly. And James Gunn knew what he was doing because at the end of the show, when he brings in the justice league too late to save the day and we get Ezra Miller and Jason Momoa bantering back and forth about funny ass stuff that there's more to that. There's like 16 minutes I've heard where Ezra Miller is ripping on Jason Momoa's Aquaman. Yes. Yes. And I, I love like, and I love when the justice league shows up and he's like holding him in his arms and he's walking and he's, just bitching at the, where the hell have you been? <laughs> yeah. Where the fuck have you been? Cause I've been here holding this down. Okay. You know, you fuck fish <laughs> like at Aquaman. And it was just, it was so, he wasn't even happy or thrilled to see them. He was just pissed off at them. And I thought that that was genius. Yeah. Yeah. And what a great idea to get those cameos to really bring it in. Like, like everybody wants to talk about how disconnected, DC is but what they've been doing 
whether you really like it or not, like there's high points to everything they've done since their the Zack Snyder days, I would say. Uh, and it's arguable. And I get it out there. If you guys like that Zack Snyder world, I personally don't. I think yeah. what they're doing now is a lot more of a DC tribute, a lot more, I would say to some points more uh, truthful to the characters that they're trying to you know, establish out there. Agreed. I really can't wait for the flash because what I'm really hoping is that the flash is going to be shaking the etch sketch um, and really introducing the else worlds and, and really tying, having like a base story of the multiverse um, like a, like flashpoint, like giving us flashpoint where everything's shattered into a multiverse, which then makes sense for all the releases. You know, what's, what's really exciting is after this justice league cameo on peacemaker i was like i think they'll i'll think they'll put wonder woman aquaman and flashpoint and have them the lanteans and the amazonians battling just like the comic but they're not showing it yet like they're gonna hold that back because why not do it if you can somehow even show like there's a statue that they show in it they don't show the whole thing what if it's like a king aquaman statue and because of that whole status quo during that time i'm very excited to see how geeky they get uh, because they got geeky as fuck on peacemaker yes they did and you know i'm also looking forward to how they're gonna get how they're gonna do michael keaton and Mm. oh man just knowing he's coming back so dc i'm i'm looking i'm looking at the calendar and it's making me smile so if you could just continue with that that'd be great um, but man, what a great way to kick the door down with Peacemaker. I completely agree. I think that they've been doing a good job with their TV shows on HBO Max. Titans is a little shuffled sometimes, but it's a decent show. Doom Patrol has been great. Uh, and I'm just really excited to see these movie and TV show tie-ins. Uh, um, I want to talk a little bit about the MacGuffin of the show. Yes. Because it was interesting to do another alien thing and aliens that possess people thing. And I was just like, isn't this Starro? Yeah, uh, I ca- I saw I, that. I thought that too. Like I liked the whole golf thing with, you know, them having him in the go- the jar and him feeding him and him being like a pet. That yeah. was kind of cool and, and whatnot. And then Mern was a good character. But the other thing I saw with this was like the white and green Martian thing with DC. It's like, I, I said to my wife watching, I go, I bet he's, I bet he's a good guy after that cliffhanger. I was like, he's a good guy. And he was. Yeah. Um, so I just, I wasn't overtly impressed by the whole uh, alien thing. I love Steve, Steve Aggie's performance in the last episode where he has to go into the, into the barn and he's, he, he's so nervous, but he does a great job like tricking them. And I just, I always liked, I really liked his character as that how they developed uh him in this but no i loved the i loved that whole that whole group i loved their dysfunction i love the way they talk to each other um i love the whole he dyes his hair uh running gag his which, beard yeah he dyes his beard i had some kids at school ask me if i dyed my beard i just kind of stared at them oh my goodness that's <laughs> i was funny. like i don't think you guys know what i'm going to reference if i said something right now yeah I think that they need to be doing more shows like Peacemaker, but 
not even just comedic shows like you know i don't know i'm still i'm so hard on for that arkham show yeah seriously kind of like and yeah so i i really felt that the the alien theme and the possession thing was a real repeat what i'd love to see and we still haven't gotten this because even the first suicide squad movie did um the demons and the gods and stuff which was in the ostrander run so i would like to see something more of a different theme maybe this time espionage we've gotten and i hope that's what james gunn delivers i think he said something about delivering a different theme this time around and i don't know what we'll get but or them trying to get into the bat cave <laughs> you or know arkham yeah something like that like we did the alien thing. We did the possession thing. Give me something a little more grounded this time. Like mix it up, you know, make it fun. I don't know, but I love they have this. to go to earth too. Yeah. Right. Uh, maybe another, uh, you know, dimension. I don't Robert, know. Maybe Robert Pattinson's Batman. There you go. Something like that. But I don't know. I really, um, I didn't think I was going to care about peacemaker, but here we are. Yes, exactly. And we have a season two coming. It's already been announced. And who knows what's going to happen next? The Suicide Squad 2. James Gunn is now working on volume three of Guardians of the Galaxy. He supposedly has some other DC projects up his sleeve. So I'm looking really forward to hearing what those are all about. Absolutely. And before we end this, I have to say that I have never watched a show where I've hit skip intro so fast every time. And I know you disagree with me. I do. I've never danced so much with an intro, like got up out of my chair and danced. I know every step to that, every step to it. I just, I don't know why. Like it just, it, it almost gives me a headache every time it's the music starts. I hit skip intro. Give me right into the episode. I don't want this. I'm so glad I can hit skip intro and maybe, you know, listen up casuals. What's your take? Who loves the intro? Who hates the intro? Let us know. I have a fun fact that Charissa Barton uh, is a choreographer for the dance scene, right? Mm-hmm. Carissa Barton is the spouse of Alan Tudyk. So really, maybe you'll think a little bit differently about the theme next time it's 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 beautiful and alan tudyk i'm sure had had some say in it so alan tudyk is a gift to the world yes don't insult the tudyk no you shouldn't shouldn't. but i'll insult the opening dance number but that's just that's just me we'll do a special video for this show where you and i learn the dance moves and we'll we'll do it for everybody i figure we'll uh, we'll call john cena up and see if he'll come and teach us how to do the dance he owes me a favor so excellent excellent Anyways, my friend, this has been a great show. I uh, I didn't know who the heck Peacemaker was before all of this, and I feel better for it, honestly. Yeah, I feel like we all learned something today um, about Peacemaker. Um, you know, again, a very a very lesser known character that was brought to life by Mister James Gunn, um, and just some awesome comics that are coming. Um, and just, Hey everyone, you know, thanks so much for listening. Um, really enjoy doing our premiere on peacemaker. This has been great. Um, if you like what you hear, please share, 
please rate, please like, please tell your friends. Um, we've got a whole season of superheroes and supervillains that we'll be discussing. So please stay tuned. And like I always say, support your local comic shop. How did it taste? Do you really, do you really want to taste it? <laughs>